Hey guys, for those of you that haven't joined us before, I'm John Harris. I'm a professional drummer and educator and best friends with me, Ben Jones. I am a professional bassist and educator. And over the last 15 years, we've been working, laughing and living together, navigating the ups and downs of teaching in higher education and having a jolly old time in the UK music industry. This podcast is our way to open the doors of our friendship and professional lives to discuss all things music and life. Welcome to our podcast, Beats and Best Friends. Hello. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. I can't believe it's happening. This is episode one. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. We've been talking about this, well, for a long time, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're finally getting to do this. And I bloody love it. Yeah. I'm so chuffed. Like, genuinely. We're here in our little podcast room. Little podcast room. And it's a bit weird because we just have to stare at each other the whole time. It's, it's, uh, I have to keep watching out because I, I lose myself in those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, you kind of get in here and it's like, so, it's like, so, uh, it's like those opticians, you know, when they go in and they uh, they do the eye test and they're like so close to your face, you can like smell their breath. You're like, all right, mate. Hello. A bit too uh, close for comfort there. Yeah, absolutely. So why are we here, mate? What are we doing? So for those of you that are listening, thank you very much, first of all. My name's John Harris. I'm a professional drummer and Ben Jones <laughs> is your name. <laughs> That's my name. He's a professional bass player. And we've been in the music industry for a number of years now. And during lockdown, we decided, well, first of all, we're both educators as well in music. And we decided to start our own company called Behind the Beat. Now, Behind the Beat is a mixture of traditional videos, backing tracks, charts, and us basically celebrating famous rhythm sections. And because of that, we're just about to release uh, our first season, season one. And we thought, why not do a podcast? And so basically, this is an extension of our of our company behind the beat. And we realised that, first of all, we were having way too much fun. So mm-hmm. we thought, we can't have videos that last two hours of us prattling about so we thought well we could have a podcast that does that so let's do that um and also like it's i think what we realized when we did the videos with the company is that there's so much more to this than just the music for us and obviously we we've got 15 years of friendship we've got 15 years of ups and downs and and all of the stuff that we've you know we've had in that time so this podcast is kind of a way of us to open that and be like look you know We don't know everything, but we know a few things and we'd love to talk to people about it. We'd love to share those experiences. And I think if you've watched the videos, you'll see why we play the way we do, why we, who we are the way we are. And I kind of love that. I love the fact that we've done something together that is super, super driven by our passion for music and all that stuff and, and education, of course. But then also... We just wanted to create a space where people can just come and listen to two musicians chatting about music, first of all. Like, everyone is welcome. You do not have to be a professional musician to get anything out of this podcast. But also, the human side of music. And I think that's really important because for me... Oh, this is... My little heart skipped a beat there. I was thinking (laughs) thinking about something. I was like, I, I, you know... When we talk about who we are and our stories and stuff, this will come up. But, like, friendship and music for me have been really intertwined the whole time. And because I studied a degree in a different place that you did, but we were both studying music, we met outside of each other's circles, didn't we? Like, Mm. I wasn't part of your uni circle and you weren't part of mine. So we met in the industry. And that was really fun. But... I never knew what it was like to see two relationships come together. Like, friendship and work, to me, were always separate. You know, obviously, like, I worked at, um, what's it, like, budgeons and pubs and stuff, and that was fine. But I saw those as very kind of different things. You had your workmates and you had your outside mates and and those things. Whereas for music, I was like, very quickly, I realised, like, 
This is someone I really want to hang around with. This is someone who I really connect with. And then because our careers grew with our friendship, I was just kind of like, wow, this is this is pretty awesome. Yeah. And now looking back on it 15 years later, I'm like, well, of course we're here now. Yeah. Because because we we made those decisions together. And it's kind of like, I just want to talk about that. Like, because I bet there's people out there who feel like this and there might be people out there who might just be getting into music or might have just met someone who they really clicked with. And I just kind of thought, why don't we just talk about that as well? It doesn't have to just be about music. It can be about our lives. We can share some really funny shit that's happened to us. My (laughs) God, there's been some weird and wonderful stuff that's happened. But I just... I love listening to podcasts where people are just themselves and there's no pretense. There's none of this like, I must present this version of myself. We've never been like that. And we're lucky enough that we have the opportunity to do it. So I was like, let's do it. That's what it it means to me. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I've always wanted to do a podcast. And I think when we started the company, I just thought, it's just obvious, yeah. we, it, you know, a great a great extension of that, of our, of our company behind the bee. And I think it's just lovely that, you know, even if nobody listens to this, we can just have a conversation about something we're really passionate about. And we've got some really interesting topics that we've got planned. We're going to get some current students. So myself and Ben both teach at ICMP in London. We're going to get some current students on. We're going to get some of our other mates yep. that we gig with, yep. some really interesting guests and also sort of professionals in the industry themselves. We're going to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. There's there's loads of subjects we want to cover on this podcast. And again, if you enjoy this podcast, please write in and maybe give us some suggestions. Yeah. We're also going to be talking about next episode, episode two, about why we chose the four rhythm sections from season one for Behind the Beat. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what behind the beat also represented when we built it was community it was like a community mm. because you know with drums and bass if you take them separately well drums for example i mean the drum community is amazing like i think it's probably out of all of the let's just take the four let's say five core instrument groups so guitar vocals drums bass and keys, keys. and everything that comes with keys synths and all of that stuff i've never seen a community quite like drums it's incredibly nurturing mm. and, and, and you know and respect to, to platforms like Drumeo and things like that that have built that you know they really have and lots of other people um who's your guy Mike Mike Johnson right so Mike Johnson yeah, people like that have obviously spent a lot of time curating and building amazing community and bass as well you know Scott's bass lessons things like that those communities exist and we think they're brilliant but what there's not a lot of is doing that together. It's yeah. quite siloed. It's kind of like, you know, drumming for drummers, basing for bassists. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a thing, but you know what I mean? But like... Pattern that. Yeah, that TM, that's mine. Like, there's not a lot of like, okay, so yeah, you do your thing, but what do you do when you do it with someone else? Yeah. Now, I've seen videos online where people have touched on it for like a special or something, or like, you know, they've, they've done like a, a little segment on it. But for me, that is it. That is everything. If I can't play it with someone else, yeah. I don't care. I think uh, maybe that's me. I don't know. But no, I totally. And I think sorry to butt in there, but like I think the reason, one of the main reasons we wanted to start this company as well is because we're so passionate about playing with other people. Right? It's a real for me yeah. personally. It's a real social thing being a musician, and I, I'm such a people person. Uh, People person. Yeah. People. People person. People. People person. And I think. The reason that I love music so much is because I just get to obviously play the instrument that I'm in love with. Yeah. You know, the drums has always been a, a massive passion of mine, but it's because I get to play it with other people and get to hang out with other people. And I I love the way that uh, different musicians can make you feel as well. So like obviously I love you know playing the rhythm section with you, but you know there's loads of other players out there that you you can kind of feel something from, right? And totally. that's such a beautiful thing. Totally. Um, Hence why as well you'll see in episode two why we picked the rhythm sections because it makes us feel something yeah. individually and also yeah. as a rhythm section, <laughs> totally. right? Totally. And I like I think music is unlike any other job in the world. A- apart from other creative industries. So let's say dance, acting and things like that. I mm-hmm. think there's probably some crossover there. But there's something about creating something together where social interaction is essential. Yes. So when you work for a company, and I'm judging this on 
probably quite limited experience, but from what I've heard of people's experiences of working for companies and stuff, sometimes you don't feel very part of something. You are a cog in a chain or whatever the, the phrase is. Cog in a machine, is cog it? Cog in a machine, yeah. I'd kind of combine two there. You are just that. Whereas in music, it's really like... There's something very special about music, and it, it's, it kind of goes back to that amazing Bob Marley quote that the most amazing thing about music is when it hits you, you feel no pain, but you feel something. Mm. And I think that one of the things that I love so much about music is is what it makes me feel and, and how, how that sort of shows up in my life. But also, and this definitely comes from the education side, is seeing other people experience music. Yeah, And I think there's something about that. It's almost like watching I imagine maybe what art teachers feel when they watch people paint or you know people who teach graphic design or people who teach ballet or whatever something where that creativity comes out there's something really amazing about witnessing what that does to people and like we've seen it in our teaching like I've seen you know shy reserved people come alive when they sit at the kit when they pick up a guitar when they stand in front of a microphone whatever and you think I'm so grateful to be able to say that my job, for some of the time, is being paid to do that. Yeah. Is to obviously don't get me wrong. We spend a lot of time crafting our our work as teachers. It's not an accident that we are good at what we do. We spend a lot of time doing it, and we care about it a lot. But there is something about walking out of a room and going, "I just got paid to do something I love with people I really, really love," and watch other people find their passion yeah that is awesome and i'm so grateful for that i think there's something to be said as well in this day and age when you can walk away from like you know you can kind of go into work and then walk away at the end of the day and be like i love what i do (laughs) and i know that sounds so cheesy and so cliche but it's not and I, i don't think we we celebrate that and also maybe think about that enough in sort of modern society is it's like are you happy totally and that's oh, like God, yeah. in life in general or does your job make you happy? And I I think I'm just so lucky that I had such supportive parents when I was younger and also I found something that I really enjoyed. Mm. And then obviously I put the hard work in myself, but it was like, I, I was like, I found the drums and then was like, I have to do this. Yeah. I, there's no other option for me. It, yeah. it either has to be this or I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think it's, I feel really lucky to say that I can make a living doing something that I am so passionate about and I'm in love with. Like that instrument, playing drums, was the best thing that ever happened to me, 100%. And when you look at it, and I I feel this sometimes when I hold my bass, it's a weird thing. It's Mm. a bit of wood. I know. With some metal on it, painted in a nice colour. Yet, first of all, that thing changes you as Mm. a person. You, You know, I feel like... When I put on that bass, there is a connection there. There's something in it. There's something in the feel of the wood. There's something about the sound. There's something about an intense memory, I don't know, like tag of what that instrument means to me. And then sometimes I feel really bad about it. Sometimes I pick it up and I hate it. And I feel like it's really letting me down. And I feel like I'm letting it down. I feel like, you know the bass gods are looking down going, you are a terrible bass player and we don't want you to hold <laughs> us anymore. And I really do. And I feel I feel real like amounts of shame attached to that. And then I'll pick it up sometimes when I'm having a terrible day or I'm really upset about something or I'm angry about something and I'll play a bass line and it might even just be the most it's nonsensical thing, but I just play what I play and it immediately changes me. And it's like nothing for me does that, you know, I drink and things like that. You you could drink your problems away if that's what you want to do. But like, the point is for me, music has shown up in my life in a way that first of all was completely unexpected. I never knew it was going to do that for me. It's been, it's been a mirror to my internal mental health struggles and has been an incredible vessel of learning for me. But it's also like, I think... (laughs) I imagine it's like those kind of old samurai warriors that talk about their relationship with the sword. This is your life. Yeah. You are connected to this item. And I just, 
I'm so grateful that I get to open that bag in the corner, pick up a piece of wood with metal on it, and, I don't know, explore myself within that. And mate, we, we, we have not planned to say this. <laughs> and I'm losing my mind here, mate. Like, it's bonkers. But, like, it's it's so interesting because we don't talk about this enough. Because no. you're busy and you're in the, the rat race. You're yeah. like, I'm doing the gigs. I've got to make the money. Like, it's wild. Mate, it's really, yeah. Do you know what? This is another reason I wanted to do this podcast. I haven't thought about this no, in me ages. <laughs> and it's like, actually, I there's that instrument has done so much for me. And also, we wouldn't be friends. No, we wouldn't. If we if if you didn't play bass, no way. And I didn't play drums, we wouldn't be friends. No way. That's quite crazy to say that. It is it's so weird. You know, it reminded me of something I saw on um uh, the Graham Norton Show, which for, if you're not UK based, it's basically a, a chat show. It's a very famous chat show in, in the UK. And um, he was interviewing Bono from from U2. Like or love Bono, like whatever. Yeah. I, no, no shade for either side. But basically, you cannot dispute the fact that U2 are an incredibly successful band and Bono is an incredibly successful musician. And he was talking about, I think he was promoting his book um, that's just come out. And... Um, he was talking about obviously I think you two met when they I think they were like 14 or something at school they are and imagine like someone coming up to you at like 14 15 saying right so you know those four people you've just met not only are you going to know them for the rest of your life probably but you are going to go into work together Mm. that is going to transcend everything you are going to be global superstars you're probably going to have fights, you're going to love each other, you're going to hate each other, but you are going to be bound to each other now wow. forever. That's mental, isn't it? When you think about that, it's crazy. And he says that in the interview. He's like, I never thought I would ever have that. He said, I'm so grateful that my best friends in the world are my business partners. He said, it's tough. Of course, it comes with challenges. And we're going to talk about that, you know, working with your best friend in a commercial sense as well. It throws up its own challenges. But... There is something about friendship, music, and I suppose people know it, but they don't talk about it a lot. And that's why we're doing this as well. But I think it's a great little segue into kind of our journeys and how we got here. And I think we should start with you and the drums because... Come in. Well, you said, if I hadn't found that instrument... so. How did you find that instrument? Yeah. Was so it in the corner? Was it <laughs> <laughs> so I think the kind of the purpose of this uh, first episode was to kind of, you know, outline the company, I suppose, and yeah. why we chose to do this podcast, but also just to kind of say a little bit about ourselves as well. And um, I suppose the first thing, so I started quite late. And I, I say that because when you go on Instagram now and you see like, little Sammy and he's two years old and he's absolutely tearing up on the drum kit there's you know some incredible I mean some of our students are like 18 and they're playing so like such a mature level it's quite crazy so I think I started when I was about 12 maybe 12 13 14 around that sort of time and it was really weird because from what I remember I when I got into my secondary school I went there because of the music department. They had a really beautiful music department and it was probably the best out of all of the schools that I viewed. But I didn't actually play drums at the time. I think I just knew that I wanted to do something in music. What did you play? I think I played... So I played keys. Get out. No, seriously. (laughs) Only, Only for like like a year or a couple of years but I actually really? played keys my sweet sweet keys player piano well piano teacher called Joy um, I think she's oh. I, think, I think she's passed away oh, now that's oh, sad. so sad Sorry, but Joy. yeah absolutely beautiful Joy was it your and terrible playing that killed her Ben Jones <laughs> you <laughs> that was low but also quite funny so we'll keep it in oh sweet Joy sweet Joy but we yeah so we I viewed the music department and I think on our on my break, on my lunch or something like that, I used to go down to the music department and just sort of have a wander around. Yeah. And I remember going down there and they had this drum kit and I just looked at it and I, something about, it was like, almost like whispering to me mm. in the corner. I was like, yeah. that looks really fun. And guitar has never spoken to me. I've never yeah. been interested. Even now, it doesn't, it's just something I don't think I'll ever play. Yeah. Bass, I've had a few bass lessons and I actually, that's maybe it's that, that, that sort of link. Yeah. 
But there's something about drums. And I think, again, how you we were sort of saying earlier, I, I don't think I can explain what it is, but like this is something about hitting those fucking drums yeah. that I really love. And the whole concept and everything about it, it just looked really exciting. And I'm I, I quite like fast adrenaline mm. excitement. I'm that sort of guy. So I started having drum lessons and my first drum teacher called Ross Underwood, who I, I actually teach his kids now, so it's super weird. <laughs> so good though. Um, so cool. And his his um his kids are wicked drummers. And he gave me my first drum lessons and I was like, I'm hooked. Yeah. And you know like that age where you're super excited and I used to practice every lunchtime, every break time. I actually used to sneak away from lessons and practice. Oh, same, very same, naughty. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I just play and play and play. And then my music teacher, so Ross's uh, partner, Molly, yeah. was my music teacher. So oh, so that was the connection. That was the connection. The That's and cool. she basically, she was amazing, like super passionate. And I still see her quite a bit now. And she kind of got some guitarist bass plays and she put us in bands and so in the I, school in the school oh, that's awesome. so i formed my first band and I, I started around that age getting into like what i thought at the time was like super heavy music so mm. it was like lincoln park papa roach when that all yeah. that came out uh rage against the machine and then i started moving on to sort of like bands like kills which engage parkway drive uh, <laughs> it dies today <laughs> <laughs> you can tell there was a slight lift in the heaviness there. It's like um, 36 Crazy Fists, oh, like all those band. bands. And we started to cover those songs in our bands. And, you know, for kind of 14, 15 year olds, they were pretty good. And I'd like, it was a joke, like every birthday I'd get like a new cymbal or like a new pair of sticks. And my drum kit started to get bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. And then... Uh, Molly sort of started to tour us around like the local primary school. So we did That's like amazing. primary school tours. And How then, old were you when you were doing that? Like 15. So in front of other 15 year olds, you were kind of like, yeah, other so schools. here you go. Here's some, here's some people your age playing music. Basically. That's awesome. Good for Molly. She honestly, That's really mate, cool. like, what she did and what she still does for that school, incredible. She's still and, there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and well, um, Molly, if you're listening, well done. And yeah, you know, yeah. massive respect. To and, you. and probably maybe, I mean, one of the reasons that I wanted to be an educator because I've had so such a, ama- I've been really lucky to have such amazing teachers mm. over the years. Um, and then I got into a really heavy band and we used to, like sell out local shows. We had some reviews in Metal Hammer, Kerrang, uh, our EP. Like we sold quite a few copies and stuff. And I, I said to you the other day, like I, I found the CD. The album cover is jokes. What is it? It's like I think the one I found was is actually uh, a really beautiful design that the singer's sister had drawn for us. Right, it's really cool. But inside, we're like. All stood there like arms crossed. Of course, the, the classic metal pose. All, all in black. All, all in black. All moody. No smiles because metal is sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, metal is sad. And um, I listened back, and some of the arrangements are cool, man. And I, I think, although I'm a very different drummer now, that band because we used to rehearse every week really made me. Yeah. Because the you know it really pushed me. There was a lot of like syncopation, a lot of double bass pedal stuff. So like rhythmically was really tricky. And a lot of stamina, man. Yeah. Those songs. God damn. Mate, this is the thing. Like, I, you know, whenever I think about metal, like, I'm not a metal bassist at all. I've got a lot of respect for it and I would love to play more of it. But if you've seen me, I, I don't present as the most metal looking <laughs> chap you've ever seen. Um, but I would love to Excellent. like to do some more stuff like that. But one thing that I kind of really respect is the endurance level of those players. Because, you know, there's one thing to play stuff fast. But there's one thing to play stuff fast, giving it your all every night. And it's like, it's wild. And that's just bass. Mm. You're moving all the limbs doing that. It's crazy. Mate, that double bass pedal stuff. So like four limbs and like doing, you know, probably at the time, 50 minute shows. I was that's literally, enough. there was one show. I walked out of the venue and it I was steaming. <laughs> where I was so hot and I was mixing with the cold air outside. Um, it was nuts. And then like... Ross suggested that I go and study drums. Yeah. So I went to Drum Tech, which is now BIM. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, had an amazing... I did the diploma. And then 
three years, but I took a little bit of time out in the middle to go on tour with Roachford, yep, which was of course amazing. That was amazing, right? And then since there, like since then, I, I've kind of, you know, played for loads of different artists. So I did quite a lot of stuff with Holly Johnson from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Did a few tours with him. Uh, I currently play for disco band, American disco band Odyssey, which I played for for sort of like six or seven years. Uh, I have a music agency. We play in a trio together and we've yeah. done a load of stuff together. I've played for Eben Brown from the Stylistics and just done an arena tour with Odyssey as well yeah. with the Temptations and the Four Tops. So it's been, it's weird kind of going from that background to where I am now. And like now I'm a massive like hip hop and funk fan and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But it's been, it's been a really amazing journey and it's been amazing to like share it with you as well. You know, 15 years of doing all this stuff together. And it's only, for me, I I feel very sort of, excited about the future at the moment and very happy with where I am but I'm only just getting started man I've got so much I want to do and so much we've talked about behind the scenes which we'll probably talk about later not in another well another episode sorry but I'm I'm excited I'm excited I I can't remember what podcast I was listening to it was a while ago and it was uh, it was Wrong and Dr. Wrong and Chatterjee uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast now but you'll find him online Um, he does this podcast where he interviews just you know great people and there was this neurosurgeon very famous neurosurgeon who was on and he was talking about you know basically what's it like to look at a brain for like 40 years of your life what does it make you feel because i mean i can't even get into that world Mm. what that must be what's your job i cut people's heads open and i like go into the most sophisticated organ in human or in the world of life basically I don't even know how you go into that. But he, the way he spoke about it after all these years of experience was amazing. And he was talking about how he sees life in seasons. Like, you have different seasons in your life. And I think, like, my 20s was rough. In, it, it was rough, not like, oh, terrible rough. But it was it was like a stormy sea. Okay, It was a lot of stuff going on. And I think... I think most importantly, I didn't know it was stormy. I thought, this is how it is. You just have stormy seas. That's fine. And then at the end of my 20s, I was like, actually, something's not right here. Something's yeah. really not right. And I'm not I'm not happy with who I am. Ironically, my career was going really well. But personally, I was really struggling. And we're definitely going to talk about this when we do the mental health episode. But I was in that place. And then... In my 30s, and, you know, to be totally honest with you, it definitely comes down to the people who you're around as Mm -hmm. well. And my partner, Hannah, has been such an amazing influence on me. And I'm so grateful for for our our lives together. But my 30s was where I really started to go, ah, a lot of this is fucking bullshit. And I don't need to worry about it. And actually, I'm starting to, I always think of The Matrix, you know, when he takes the pill and he starts to see the world again and he's like, yeah. oh, it's all bullshit. It's all fake. I'm starting to realise that, and this is why I really try to not preach to our students, but to be like, look, you are going to feel differently about this in a few years' time. Like, please, I'm not trying to like tell you what to do, but like these things will feel so insignificant in like 10 years' time. Like, Just enjoy these moments. Because now I'm like, I really feel like I've done the work or, no, that's not true. I feel like I've started to do the work and understand where the work is going. And I'm committed to doing it. And when I say committed, I mean I, I want to do it, but I'm also okay with failing and carrying on. And yeah. I think that's a really big shift from being 20s and in your 30s. So now I'm like, okay, pandemic definitely had an influence on this. And I think, you know, one thing that I can say for sure is that this wouldn't have happened as soon if we didn't have the pandemic to have the time to go well, that's all our work gone. Thank God we had teaching because I would yeah, be out on the street. Me too. And what, what's important to me, if everything was taken away from me tomorrow, and you know, I'm so grateful that health-wise, I was fine, my family were fine, that side was fine. But it really made me think, okay, life is fragile. Life is really fragile. And I need to be doing something that really fulfills me. I need to be doing something for myself, 
because you know being a professional musician you're self-employed you're working for other people but you're your own boss you've got that thing but unless you're a creative like artist or original creator you don't own anything of your own you're playing for other people you're the side person you're the the session person you walk in and you walk out it's not your thing and i think i really needed something real in my life and i thought if i lost my gigs if i lost all my teaching what would i have left and it's like and actually a friend of ours said something really poignant to me the other day about the pandemic he's a bit older than us and a very very successful session player he said i realized if i lost all my gigs i have no other skills i would be stacking shelves that's what he said he said Mm. i could not do anything else i'm too old to to retrain i don't really want to and i thought whoa Mm. this is about multiple skills in your life like your seasons change so i know i want it to be music but i've fallen in love with education i've fallen in love with leadership i've fallen in love with like working in teams so now what i feel is this sense of just like you it's just beginning now and i used to be like 35 years old you're dead you're basically an old person. That's, when, when you're a kid, you're like, yeah. you're 35, or you're like my dad, or you're my mum. You're like, yeah. you're, you're an old person. And I feel like the first 25 years of my life or whatever were just preparation for the time now. And I'm really grateful for that. I, th- I think, you know, I'm really grateful for that. So that's why sitting down here and talking about it just fills me with such joy. I think you're right as well. I can't. I saw a video the other day. I can't remember who it was and, and where, I, where I saw it, but it was basically saying like, your 20s, they, they don't really matter. They, they obviously do to a certain extent. That's, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, but, but I know exactly what It's you mean. like they're there to make mistakes and to Absolutely. have fun and do stupid shit and, yeah. you know, enjoy yourself. Like, and you're right with the students. It's like, you've got time. You've oh got time. God, like, yeah. I'm only really, to be honest, feeling like I've got my shit sorted out. And I'm, I'm turning 35 this year. So Absolutely. myself and Ben are very similar in age. And... I'm only starting to, you know, I've just bought my first house, which I'm really, really grateful for. And I never thought I'd own my own own house, to be honest, with the house price and stuff, but really, really lucky. And, you know, I've got a a career here and a career in music and stuff, but there's there's lots of stuff I want to do. And it's only really the last two years that I've started to feel like, do you know what? This is is starting to work out. I've got my shit together. Whereas like everything was so uncertain in my 20s. You know, like I'd move from rented house to rented house and not not there's anything wrong with that. But like I feel a bit more stability now and I feel quite proud and also like, you know, lucky to a certain extent to, to be able to say that. Definitely. I think stability is a really good word. Do you know, it reminded me of something when you were saying that and it was around like Christmas. And bear with me, I will make a point. Basically, I remember when Christmas was, what am I getting? Yeah. What's my toys? What's the latest? I don't know what I used to get. Action Man, loads of video games. And like, that was my thing. It's like, Christmas is about me. Christmas is about what I'm getting. And if I don't get it, I'm kicking off. Because you're a kid and you're selfish and that's, it's okay. That That is kind of the thing. And I remember, I think it was like early 20s or something. I started to remember that I got really excited about having my own money and buying presents for people. I'm watching them unwrap presents. Mm. And I started to think, oh, I don't even care what I'm getting. And I remember like my parents would say to me and friends would be like, so what do you want for Christmas? I actually thought, I don't know. And I'm not really that bothered. But what do you want? And I think now where I'm at in my life, I think the word is legacy. What we're going to leave behind after this. Now, I haven't got kids yet. I definitely want them one day. You haven't got kids yet. No. Nope. Both want them. Together, we will have kids, you and my children. It will happen soon. (laughs) But like, the point is, it's this sense of leaving stuff behind. Like, I really do feel like ego has dropped a lot recently. Mm. And I think teaching has really helped doing that. But also, like, what, what are we doing to make the world a better place? And that sounds cliched, but it's not. Because we're very lucky to have the platform we have. We're sat here in a podcast room. We've paid nothing for it it's because we work for you know icmp and all these things we have and we're able to now take this and put it out in the world and have a voice right and i just feel like we have duty but i think more it's just the passion of it to talk about stuff that maybe people don't talk about a lot in our industry because i think one thing i don't feel a lot anymore is fear if i lost all my work and i lost music and i lost bass i would be devastated 
but I would be able to carry on because being a musician has shown me that I actually have more skills than just being a bassist. Yeah. And I think there's not many worlds or, or like career paths that give you such a wide sense of skills as music does. And it's made me a better and worse person for it. Luckily, the scales tip in better, definitely. It's also been a very tricky world to navigate. Obviously, we'll talk about that. But for me, it's like, what can we do to like make things better for our students, for our friends, for our industry? And that, for me, is like, that's a shift. Because in your 20s, you are not thinking about other people. You are thinking about yourself. And now I'm like, well, hang on. Yes, I would love to do more behind-the-beat stuff because I get to be with you. But what I really want to do is have someone go oh my God, that's made such a massive difference to me. That has changed me in some way. Or, oh, that was a really different thing that I've been told. I wonder what that means. And just give people more choice and freedom because I think that's what's lacking a lot. And I see that in our students, the younger people. And I tell you what I'm really grateful for is growing up in a time where I can remember what it was like to not have social media. Yeah, I mean... Jesus, that's probably we saw like both sides, didn't two we? episodes on something yeah. like that. We will definitely do an episode on social media because there's so many things to talk about around that. Oh my god, um, yeah. that sort of, I mean, ish, issue is that a word? Yeah, well, I think I you're mean, right. Yeah, I think issue is a very good word for there's it. Some, there's some real pros to social media, but there's some real negatives. And I think you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah. But I think a lot, yeah, you know, some a lot of mental health issues today are, are probably linked to social media so yeah. it might be quite interesting to touch on that well we've never I don't know about you but when I first started to play properly so let's say late teens really properly early 20s social media was really basic it was Instagram was still for photos of food yeah right. let's be honest Instagram Basically. was photos of food Facebook was what your parents kept in touch with all their mates on and you had a bit of Facebook time but no one felt the pressure to put up there was no stories there was no reels there was no snapchats and things like that it was really kind of you went out you maybe had a website definitely you had websites for sure but you went out and played to play yeah now it's like oh <sighs> It annoys me that I have my students and people I know broken by the fact that they can't get 15 seconds of their best footage out for a square on a fucking screen. It, re- no, it I, really annoys I know, me. Mate, and I, I I'm so grateful that I remember a time where I would go out with no phone. You know, the days of like <laughs> when you were like in your teens and you're like, right, we're going to the cinema. See you at six. Well, if not, one of you didn't make it you were probably dead because you can't phone each other. It's like, you can't be like, oh, text me when you're there. It's like, see you at UCI Cinema, six o'clock in Wickham. Like, cool. You put the phone down. At that point, it's the great adventure. You might show up at six <laughs> o'clock or you might not because you, there's none of that. Or there's no Google Maps, so you've got lost. Oh, yeah, AA route planner days, yeah. printing that off and all that nonsense. But like, I loved the fact that I spent a lot of time outside as a kid and I had those moments where... There was no scrutiny on me. I didn't have to pretend to be anything. You think of these young... And we're talking young now. We're talking like under 10 have got Instagram. Yeah. Like, again, we will go into this in more, but it's like that for me, it really does mean a lot to be able to sit here and go, look, I haven't done everything, but I've done a lot and I'm really happy to share it. So for me, like, thank you for for being here to you, but also thank you to the listeners for being here. Definitely, mate. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so, on that note, do you want to say a bit about your sort of start to the industry? And, yeah. not, not even the industry, the, your start to learning your instrument. To because music. I loved, I mean, I feel, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel as if I'm probably going to learn something new. Oh, because yeah. Because I know most things about how you kind of started, but yeah. I forgot your band name oh yeah I've and i remember names. it was hilarious yeah. so my so my two those two bands oh, one, yeah. one was <laughs> what's the name red red electric concept was Brilliant. the first one love it and the second one was there goes everything and you could not get more emo, hardcore emo emo metalcore tastic well yeah Sh- so show your story mate so tell us a bit about you yeah so music for me was totally unplanned Although I loved music, it was totally unplanned. I never thought A, I would be doing it, and B, that I'd be good enough. But music came about, really, and to be totally honest with you, through the fact that I was bullied at school. Mm. And I I was basically cast out of my friend group 
through some stupid childish shit, obviously, because it was like year seven. Um, but unfortunately, I was friends with the really popular people, and it was that classic thing where my friends had brothers and sisters in sixth form, so the whole hierarchy was like, well, once you're out, you're out, and you can't go anywhere because they'll just trickle down that you are an outcast now. So I was completely on my own in, I think it was like end of year eight going into year nine. And I was screwed. I had no friends. It was really difficult. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'd never had anything like this. When I was at school, I had loads of friends, not like blowing my toot or anything, but like just I had friends and it was quite normal to have, you know, a a fairly decent, not massive, but like, you know, five or six really close friends. And then some of them followed me as well from first school to secondary school and um, sorry, middle school to secondary school. And um, and then I lost everyone. I was literally on my own. I remember walking out of class and just sitting outside on the bench having no one. And it was really tough because I was like, you know, 12, 13 at the time. And I really didn't understand what was going on. I certainly didn't have the mental health knowledge to know that I was in fucking crisis and basically going to tip into depression. But I thought, right, well, I need someone. And then I realised in my form which is class for non-UK people. Form is just the word they usually give to your group of people. Um, there was these four, three or four people who were musicians and they were the freaks. And, you know, I love them to death and, you know, they'll know who they are when they listen to this. But, like, they know that they were a bit outcast as well. So I went over to them and I was just like, hey, can I can I hang around with you? Because And they knew that I'd been cast out they're not stupid but they were so welcoming and I was I was into music in the way of I used to sing I used to really love singing and um yeah this is a big confession so I used to have because John obviously knows my parents really really well but I used to have singing lessons with my mum not she giving them to me we went together to a singing teacher and learned to sing together you are joking I am not joking at all and it was amazing so that was wild there was also, there was also, oh my oh, God. Oh God, you're my sweet Jane. Sweet Jane, exactly. And like, there was this really weird time when we were doing this concert for something. It was like our singing teacher put on this concert. I think it was for Christmas. And she was like, oh, you and your mum are going to sing Baby It's Cold Outside. And at the time I was like, oh, that's a cool song. And then I about sort of like four years later when we stopped doing it, I was like, that's a song that lovers sing to each other. <laughs> I was going to say. Like, what the hell was going on? It was so weird. But again, with music, sometimes you don't care. But yeah, so I basically I started off singing and I met these these musicians and they were like, oh, well, look, we're in a band. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, well, I sing. Like, does any of you sing? They're like, no, 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 no. We need a singer. So I was like, okay. So at that point, I'd already started to sort of fall into like new metal Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, that sort of thing. But then also, um, Pop Punk, Blink Away 2, Newfound Glory, Green Day. Oh my God, Green Day. Like, just all of that stuff. So they were into that, and then I started to sing. But I also, because I wasn't into that music before, I just listened to what was in the charts. And obviously, back then, it was just UK Garage. It was basically ah. the Craig David Glory days. Yeah. Um, amazing. Oh God, that album, Born to Do It. What an amazing album. But, like, I was into that stuff and, you know, I wore the Adidas poppers and, you know, oh, glory days. Oh, my God, glory days. But I got into the heavier stuff. So that was really cool. And I really love to rap. And like, people sit there going, wow, this guy does not sound like a rapper <laughs> at all. No, but I really got into it. Like, from the emceeing of the garage stuff and then Linkin Park and all the new metal, Lit Biscuit, Fred Durst, obviously, rap. It's rap. It was essentially rap. And um, I really got into that. So I was doing that. And then after a few years, I was like, okay, this is fun, but I don't feel like a musician. I feel like a singer. And absolutely no disrespect to vocalists, right? That is not me saying that vocalists are not musicians. I didn't feel like one. And therefore, I was like, I want to hold something. I want to have sticks. I want to have an instrument. So I was thinking, okay. And the guitarist in the band was like, oh, I want to take up. Sorry, the bassist was saying, I want to take up guitar. There'd been some, like, falling out in the group about something. So I think the guitarist was out for a bit or something. Anyway, I was like, oh, what about bass? And I was like, I quite like the look of that. That's quite easy. And I'm, I'm one for the easy path. Like, when back then, I was like, I'm one for the easy path. So he was like, well, look, I want to take up guitar, so do you want to take up bass? So I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. So from then on, 
I I freaked out. I loved it. I just fell in love with it. And and all of like year ten and year eleven, I was just learning bass. And I I was totally self taught. Wow. He showed me a few notes, and I was like, I'll figure it out. I just went upstairs, and I remember we were doing a rehearsal, and he was getting a new bass the next day. So we were talking about swinging the bass around your shoulders, and I was quite I'm quite tall. Well, I was very tall back then. I'm like just under six one, but I've I've been this tall since I was about fifteen. I was like this gangly streak of piss you know <laughs> like 50 <laughs> so like they were like oh you're tall enough you could swing the bass so I was like yeah I could do that so I got the bass swung it strap came straight off the back of the thing went straight into the ground snapped the tuning peg off and that was his old bass done for so he said look it's broken but why don't you take it you can learn on it because he's getting his new one and I thought oh this is great so I remember learning on a three string bass wow I didn't know what a tuner was so I was playing out of tune so when I was looking for the notes, they were all in the wrong place because it was so out of tune. And I tried to, this was before apps and like things like that. So I was just self-taught. And then, so that went on for a few years. Then I got into pop punk in a big way. And then the first band that I was in, come on, drum roll please for the most inappropriate band in the history of the world. It was Daddy's Got the Biggest. <laughs> It was. Oh, I mean, I knew it was something. Oh God! Yeah. So, sorry, just just repeat that one more time. Daddy's got the biggest. Daddy's yeah. got the biggest. And I, we were so proud of it. Oh, oh my God! We ever. were freaking out. We were loving it. And like, so we were writing pop punk tunes, very much like Blink One Eighty Two. All that toilet humor, all that stuff. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so much fun. Like, this is so cool. And then I was like, okay, I definitely don't want to go to I was my plan and this is just so funny to look back on now I was going to go to Durham University to study politics that's what I was going to do that was my plan really yeah Durham University to study politics that was the original plan from about year 11 because the school I went to were very like which uni are are you going to because you need to make us look good very much that bullshit yeah so that was my plan and then um, that changed obviously so I found out about the Institute, which is what ICMP used to be called, and I found out you could do a one-year base course. Um, well, first of all, I was like, oh, you can do a base degree. I'll do that. Just like, I'll do that. Not, not am I good enough? I'll do that. I've been playing for like seven months. I'll be fine. I remember walking into the audition and very quickly realised that I was massively out of my league and uh, the questions I was being asked, I had no answers for. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing pop punk and that was all I was doing. So then I was kind of like, okay, so you can't go on the degree, you can go on the one-year diploma. So I was doing that and I went on that and so this was like 18, so I just finished school, everyone was going to uni and I went to this one-year diploma and um, I remember the first day bumping into this girl, her name was Ida and I'm, if she ever listens to this, I want to say hi Ida because you were amazing and I really enjoyed meeting you. She was a bassist and I watched her play something in our lesson and I had never seen bass playing like it. I was like, this is insane. She's incredible. And um, I was just like, okay, this is amazing. So I realised very quickly that what I had known about bass was completely nothing, basically. So over that diploma, I've got my mind blown in terms of like what bass playing was did you have um, do you have John Curry yeah John Curry Uh, John Curry Alan Meehan Dave Marks Terry Gregory I think it might be Paul Scott yeah and some of them are still here some of them are not 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 there, they're just not ICMP. <laughs> yeah. Um but um but yeah, and I, I owe a lot to all of them to be honest. But I think the thing for me on the the, the diploma year was just I realised that first of all, I'd read page one of a thousand page book on bass playing. I literally had just seen the yeah. first page. I had no idea what, what those other pages had. And then also that I really wanted to do this forever. But I wasn't very good. So if I was gonna do this, I had to work lot harder than other people because I was on the course with people who'd been playing for 10 years longer than me um, people who had been on tours people who'd had that experience so I realised that very quickly I really wanted to do this and then that turned into my degree and then that's when we met on my second year of the degree so yeah music was a, a weird one but like you can always trace it back to one thing and for me it was being bullied and thrown out of that friendship group forced me over to the musicians and if I could go back in time, I'd do it all again. 
every time i think as well on another episode um we'll talk about how we first met right because yeah that was a really interesting musical situation and session and there was a lot that kind of came from that and obviously started this professional and you know sort of friendship as well and teaching as well how we got into teaching and because like you know that's such a great story as well and mate i was going to say like i want to say kind of you know as this is our first episode i'm super proud of you oh man thank you because you were studying at ICMP and now you're the programme leader know, of one of the courses that. and that's yeah. not me, me trying to be patronising or anything like that like you're no, technically really my boss that. and it's like <laughs> where how you've you know you've mentored me over the years mm. and you've given me uh, a chance and a platform to teach at ICMP mm. and like you've gone from being a student to now mm. you know looking after yeah, all weird. these students it's quite incredible well if we're going to pipe each other off, I might as well return the favour. Like, it's... I remember whenever it was now. Was it December, the arena tour? Yeah, mm. it was early December, wasn't it? And I remember... Uh, October, November, I think. It was October, yeah, oh, around, oh, around that time. End, end of last year, basically. And you very sort of casually just sort of, oh, yes, and, you know, I did this arena tour. But, like, you know, anyone in the UK knows that the O2 Arena is, is the biggest venue we probably have, apart from, like, Wembley and stuff like that. But, like, it's still one of the biggest venues and you played it last year and I remember being there with Claire your partner and watching you play and I was just like I was overwhelmed man it was so intense oh, thanks, and I man. just like it's I'm so proud of you and I'm so what I love what I fucking love about being able to do this is that I just get to share more stuff with you because it's like We'll talk about the harder stuff in future episodes. Yeah. This is not an easy thing to do. Like being a musician, being an educator, anyone out there will know that's not an easy thing to do. But I really believe you need good people around you to survive this. And I am so grateful that I met you 15 years ago. Mate. So right back at right you. Right back at you. And I think that before we burst into tears and uh, never stop crying um, is, is a good place to call it. So... I hope whoever's out there, you get an idea of what we're all about here. It's just the beginning. We're very excited to have these conversations and more. Um, And we really, really appreciate you stopping by. And thanks so much. 100%. So, yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a like, a review. Subscribe. Subscribe, comment, all that jazz. And um, we really look forward to making some more of these. Um, also, check out our company behind the beat as well. We've got a Patreon page, a YouTube channel. Um, like and subscribe and share if you if you wouldn't mind. That would mean a lot to myself and Ben. And um, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. See you on the next one. Peace. Bye. been listening to beats and best friends a behind the beat production it was recorded at icmp queens park the intro music features john harris on drums ben jones on bass adam goldsmith on guitar and nick Ferry on keyboards thanks for stopping by and we'll see you on the next session